0: Hello, and welcome to We're Only Human. I'm Tim John. Today, we're going to chat with Brendan. Brendan is someone who, oh my gosh, just an all-around dynamic person. He's so genuine, so kind. He used to be a teacher. He currently works in marketing. He's a real expert at marketing for software-as-a-service technology companies. He's a father with four kids, a husband, a whole family, and just A lot going on. Well, every conversation we have here on We're Only Human, we make sure we do a sound check to ensure that the technology is working and that we don't lose any parts of the conversation. Well, this conversation is a great example of why we need to do that because at one point, while Brendan and I were chatting together, the website we used to host the video chat for us to talk together, well, something happened. Brendan could no longer see or hear me, but I could see and hear Brendan.
1: I'm not sure what to do right now. You're not sure what? Can you do hear I, me? Do I freestyle? Can you hear me? Do I run? Do I run the the podcast? What can do I do here? you not hear me? I don't know what to do with my hands. Can, um, can you hear me? All right, Tim. Well, hopefully <laughs> at some point you, uh, Zencaster pops you back in. You can probably see you and i can only you see me you don't see me and you can't Hopefully, hear me? maybe you could hear me that'd be super funny But i can't if you can hear me i can't see you um you can't hear me answer or see says me. you aren't saying anything
0: okay here's what we're going to do so this is all
1: <laughs> this is all awesome it's a good time just going to be here alone with my thoughts uh, which is frankly quite terrifying i want
0: to stop recording but i can't um, this is too funny to listen to Today, I'm joined by Brandon Hufford. He's a son, father, husband, founder of Growth Sprints, where he helps companies grow businesses. And a one of the most... Brandon, I think you are one of the most real, genuine people I've met, um, been lucky enough to meet. Uh, you strike me as someone who like has a clear... Maybe... I always feel funny saying a clear understanding of what they want out of life, because I think we all are uh, constantly evolving that. But I think you have... At any given moment, a clear understanding of what it is you're working toward, or what it is you sort of want to like get out of out of the, this life that we're given. Like I, I view you as someone who looks at the time we have and is like, let's make the most of this. And you also strike me as someone in the time I've known you that, like that saying, "rising tide lifts all boats." Like I feel like you're someone who really truly believes that if we can all figure this out together, then it, it benefits us all. So when I think who's Brendan Hufford, that's what comes to mind. If someone asked you the question, who are you? What what would you say?
1: So I really, that was very kind. Uh, and I think like that's the outward manifestation of a lot of like internal thrashing, I would call it, of just trying to figure that out. Like, who am I? What do I want? What am I here to do? You know, I'll I'll go on LinkedIn and LinkedIn Learning will be like, here, watch this uh, new course from Seth Godin. And it's like, hi, I'm Seth Godin. I have a question for you. What do you make? And are you being generous? And I'm like, Seth, I don't have time to rethink my life. All right, here on LinkedIn. But like, I think like, you know what I mean? You get at you think about those kind of questions. You're like, what do I make? Like, what am I here to do? And I think about that stuff a lot. And I, to honest, be honest, with you, Tim, I, I don't know most days. Um, which I don't think a lot of us
0: do like, I think that's the truth, right? Like every day we're trying to figure it out
1: every single day. I saw maybe this story is helpful here. I was a teacher for 10 years and at two different schools and and even tried to like climb that ladder. I was an assistant principal for a little bit. Um, and literally the other day, uh, I was buying some baseball equipment for my son and my wife like yells at me from, uh, across the sporting goods store and she's just like brendan i was like it was one of those yells where you kind of are like is that is something wrong like you like almost a little panicked yeah and i see her and i'm waving at her and she like points at me and i'm like yeah uh what like you have my attention and i see this guy walking up to me and it's uh the student that i had years ago and when i was a teacher I got really frustrated with how schools I felt like I I taught in Gary, Indiana and on the south side of Chicago. And I got very frustrated with how I felt like schools just like churned kids out. Like once a kid was tracked to like not graduate or be a problem, the schools I felt like just looked for that sort of thing. And I like really mentored this one kid, like would just pull him in my office all the time, make sure he had pencils and notebooks and you know, a belt to wear and all of this other stuff like really just was like all in on this one kid. And he he did this Um, like he turned his life around and it's amazing. And I'm so happy for him. But he came up to me and we were just talking and stuff. And we still see each other, you know, every couple years just around town and like stuff like that. It makes me think like, all right, that's that's what I'm here to do. Like, how do I do more of that? Cause not only does that feel great for me, but that's like real stuff, right? Like that's somebody's life. And I told him, like, he asked me like some questions about, he's like, what are you doing right now? What's going on? I'm like, I don't know, man. Like I've got half of a full sleeve tattoo and I'm growing my hair out and I'm still like, I'm 37 and I'm just, just now starting to understand that life, God willing, life is a very long game. You have a lot of time to figure out who you are. And at 37, I'm only now starting to realize, you know, I looked in the mirror the other day. This is so I'm going to share this. I've only shared this with like two other people. Uh, I looked in the mirror the other day and I just had this moment with myself, Tim, where I was like, you are a lot closer to becoming the person you want to be than you think you are. And I never like, I'm always just like chasing and pushing. And in that moment, I was like, Oh, like I, I kind of, I kind of am pretty close to like liking who I am and like feeling like I've got something figured out, but that's only been recently. And I'm not, you know what I mean? I don't have that 22 year old confidence anymore. I'm 37 and it's like, Oh, okay. Like maybe it's okay if you don't figure out who you are until you're like 50. Right.
0: Right? (laughs) I, I I love that you, I, I'm the same age. I just turned 37 and I, it's, I love hearing your perspective because I was thinking the same thing that like, oh, maybe maybe you don't figure out or maybe it's not totally abnormal to not have a clear understanding of who you are until around now. But the perspective I was taking was like a little bit more of worry of like, how did I waste all those years prior not figuring that out? Like, aren't you supposed to know this by now? Shouldn't I have? And I'm almost like trying to make up for it, right? Like, oh, my God, I got to figure this out quick because, you know, the past... I don't know, let's say by the time you're 20, you're supposed to figure it out. You know, the past 17 years, I haven't... Do you feel that? Or you sound like you're okay with the fact that we're figuring this out now. And I'm very...
1: I admire that. I'm super... So two things. Like, number one, I think about... Uh, I remember I heard a long time ago, like, your 20s, your 20s are for learning, your 30s are for earning, like, from a financial perspective. And I was like, oh, okay. And I've told a lot of people, people are like, you know, what's it, you know, younger people... I'm like, look, in your 30s, you have all of the knowledge of being a total fool for a decade in your 20s and in your teens, two decades, really. But now you can actually do something with all of that wisdom, that hard-earned wisdom. And that, for me, was really, really valuable. And was like an understanding of like, okay, cool. Like, I don't have to have everything figured out. And it's okay if those things change. You know, like, it's not... It's not necessary for me to have everything figured out right now. I mean, if you think about like, let's say we live to, I don't know what the average life expectancy is, but like in our seventies, the idea that we're going to have it all figured out by now, I think the reason that people our age, uh, or maybe in their thirties and forties have what the outside world views as like a midlife crisis is different internally than how it looks externally. Externally, it looks like, okay, you're buying that car you've always wanted or you're getting a bunch of tattoos and growing your hair out or like whatever and the thing is like this midlife crisis is not um a crisis of sorts and it is not you trying to live out your glory days although there might be some of that involved i think what happens after a certain amount of time that you've been on the earth and this happens at a different time for everybody is you realize one really key thing and that is you there are horrible things that are going to happen to you and to people you care about and it's completely out of your control and when you realize that whether that you experience in that first hand or second hand i think we all saw it uh in the midst of the pandemic horrible things are going to happen and i can't do anything about it and when you realize that it's like well what Why am I doing the things that I'm doing? I think we see that right now with like the the great resignation and all these other things going on societally where we're like, you know, people are kind of coming to terms with like, oh, like, why am I toiling away at this job where they don't care about me for $7 an hour? Like, is that what I was put on earth to do? I'm figuring out who I am now because I think in your 30s, it's a a long enough time and this happens at a different pace for everybody, right? Some people realize this when they're seven and some people realize it in their 30s, but terrible stuff is going to happen to people that you love and to other people that you care about and there's nothing you can do about it. So why are you living your life for somebody else or based on what society expects out of you or whatever Um, that causes us to just be... Who we've always wanted to be um and like i said some people like everybody has a different starting line for this but i think the reason we see it in like this midlife kind of era quote unquote is just because by that time it's almost certain to have happened that we realize we come to an understanding of how harsh the world is uh i have a tattoo on the inside of my left forearm that says memento mori which is latin for like remember one day that you will die uh it serves as a reminder very often for me that uh I like we get one at bat at this and we don't know when that time is up, right? Like I could do this podcast interview and get in my car and go to Starbucks and get into a car accident and die. And I have no idea. Like you don't know when it's up. So like, why, you know, why are you wasting time? And I, for one, find that, that, uh, darkness to be very motivating. Darkness. Yeah. I was going to say that's kind of morbid, but it's,
0: I mean, there's no way around it. Like you're, you're just speaking the truth.
1: Yeah, it's like the dark. I, it's like the uh, the dark emo older sibling of like a Carpe <laughs> Diem, right? Like Carpe yeah, Diem like sees the day, and then you're the older sibling's like everything is death. Um, you know?
0: Yeah, that's a, I like that way of looking at it. You you uh, when you were talking about having the tattoo in your forearm, uh, I think it's on your website. You have a little motto that says "Work hard, be nice to people, and try not to get too lost creating something that matters." And I. That last sentence or the last uh phrase of that sentence, try not to get too lost creating something that matters, I was thinking, because I was trying to figure out which way you meant that. Did you mean or do you mean try not to like get too caught up in creating something that matters? Like don't worry about creating your mark on the world, like life's too short to like worry about that? Or were you trying to say like try not to get too lost creating something that matters like don't don't i don't even remember what the other side of this was i was like wait it's gonna be taken two ways what did you mean yeah
1: no so that's great uh transparently where that comes from is uh that was a sign off on my podcast for a long time um and the reason i adopted that was I was watching, at the time, a lot of like YouTube vloggers, like the OG vloggers, uh, like guys like before Casey Neistat did it, like the people he watched and learned from. uh, Ben Brown, uh, Fun for Louie, like a bunch of these other people. But Ben Brown has a sign-off at the end of uh, every single vlog that he did uh, where he would say, like, don't forget to work hard, be nice people, and try not to get lost or killed. And uh, I, like at the time, was thrashing and trying to escape a teaching career that i was not happy in um just trying to make a bunch of stuff that's the way i've always like moved my career and my uh any business forward is just by making a lot and saying yes to everything which has its own downside right um but try like trying not to get lost creating something that matters, what that means to me, I love that you can take it both ways. And I think both are applicable and both are true. But what it means to me is that in this pursuit of making something that matters, you can get very, very lost either within yourself or the projects that you're working on or trying to please other people. Like, it's just a hard journey. And I like acknowledging that it's a complicated, messy process, right? Like it's never... You know, you and I are both super familiar with the customer journey, right? It's never a straight line. It's always like some in in wild squiggle. Um, and I think uh, on that wild squiggle, as we're trying to create our own meaning and trying to create our own projects and what we put out into the world, um, you can get really lost and you can get very uh, disheartened. I think is a good word of like, what's this for? Why am I doing this? I'm not seeing progress at the way w- at the rate that I want to. You know, there's people in my life that are detractors from this. Um, And I just wanted to have it be a note of encouragement. Right. And also like working hard and being nice to people are two hallmarks that I need. I say it because not only similar to the memento mori, I also have another tattoo that says amor fati, uh, a love of fate. Uh, I need those reminders. So as much as it's like me telling other people, a lot of what I put out is just me talking to myself.
0: When I read that motto, it reminded me a lot of—I don't know if you're a fan of Conan O'Brien. Um, I'm a big fan, but when he left his, uh, you know, the talk show years ago, when that whole fiasco happened with Jay Leno, um, you know, he had that that sign-off at the very end where he he kind of just sat down. It's like just be kind to people and and work hard. And you know, I have it on my wall right here. Do you really?
1: I swear. Yeah, uh, just I said love work If you really, uh, what is it? If you work really hard and you're kind, amazing things will happen.
0: Yeah, yeah. I was picking my son up from, from school, I don't know, months ago, and uh, I was probably after cross country, and they had one of those marquees out front, you know, where they put things up in black letters, and that was written one day, and I I smiled, and I was just like, and I explained to him what it was, and I, I what you said reminds me of that so much because I think it's so important for us to, to think about that. Like, at the end of the day, we're all just people like moving about this planet and like all that matters is that we try and help each other, you know, along. And, and I think that's, that's the best we can do.
1: Yeah, I I would agree. I think the, and again, it's like a reminder of myself because I'm not great at this every single day, right? Like I'm grouchy or tired or territorial or, uh, have an extreme lack of self awareness. Uh, quite often, like all of those sorts of things, are very true. I'm also very, I waver a lot on this line between like confidence and arrogance. I told my wife the other day. I, I heard this thing uh, on a podcast a while ago, and this is what I told her about. Uh, it's uh, by this guy named Rich Roll who has a podcast. He's like uh, an endurance athlete, but also an alcoholic. And he said this thing on this podcast on his podcast where he said, when you are an alcoholic, you hold two thoughts in your head to be true simultaneously. Uh, number one, I am better than everybody else in the world. And number two, I'm a total piece of trash, like unworthy of love and success. And I literally, I was on a bike ride when I heard that and I like stopped my bike. And I just like stood there for a minute, like a total psychopath in the middle of the bike trail. Uh, and I was just like, that's it. Like, that's the thing that I struggle with. And when you wrestle, like I do, between this weird world of like confidence and arrogance and all of these other things, like the output of that cannot, can be not great sometimes. So being trying to move with a little more grace and a little more empathy and a little more kindness is something that I I have to do intentionally, you know? Yeah, Same. And your point about not getting lost in what we're doing
0: is so important, I think. I, that happens with this podcast. Like, <clears throat> there will be times where I'm like, you know, oh, why why am I not achieving the success that I've defined? Or, you know, I change my definition of success regularly. But there, it's so funny because I will... This happened when I ended the last season. I kind of was ready to take a, a break from the podcast. And so I'm like, you know what, We'll we'll wrap this up. I don't know what's going to happen next. And then I got this itch and I'm like, you know what? I'm ready for season two. And part of, it was a slow burn to get to that point. But part of what it was, was one day, because I had stopped looking at stats and all that. I was just like, at this point in my life, I need a break. I'm going to let this thing live and let people hopefully benefit. But I logged back onto the hosting platform and started looking at stats. And I was like, somebody's still downloading this regularly. And that blew my mind because I I had stopped promoting it. I had stopped putting in, you know, that, that I was, I stopped getting lost in it. And after, I mean, this was, this was like eight, seven months after I kind of decided to take a pause and I logged in. I was like, who's still down, who's still listening to this? I have not said a word about this for seven months. And that completely changed my perspective because it was like, this is what it's about. Like, it's not about how many of those people are listening to it. But the fact that somebody is still benefiting from this without me having to actually tell them about it, it felt good. But it reminded me of what you just said. Like, sometimes it's important to remember not to get too lost in that.
1: I I had a podcast called Entrepreneurs and Coffee that I started in 2015. And... uh that still lives and it's out there and it is a weird cringy version of Brendan. That was like hyper focused on growth and productivity and everything. Um, but, uh, it was also a lot of fun to do and it's still alive and it's people still download all those episodes over and over. Isn't that amazing? Yeah. I mean, people find it, they're searching for like the guest that I had on or they're searching for whatever. Um, I don't know. But yeah, it happens quite often where I'm just like, "Oh, okay, cool." And it doesn't do anything from a business perspective, but for whatever it costs to host it every single month, like I'm just going to keep it up. Um, and but yeah, I completely agree. I've been itching to for similar reasons start start podcasting again just because it was like it also the thing with podcasting and I don't want to turn this into a podcast about podcasting, but like (laughs) it's a forcing function for you to like have conversations with other people Mm -hmm. and be focused. Uh, And I've found that to be immensely valuable because especially in the world that you and I both work in of, of remote work, you have to be intentional. You don't get that serendipitous like office stuff, right? All that fun stuff that lights you up. Um, So you have to be intentional. You have to be like, get time on people's calendars and maybe reschedule. And that's super sucky. And it feels weird and fake because it's not the world I think most of us grew up in. Um, but uh, with that said, I do think that like, podcasts are great for that reason, right? It forces you to connect and and block out time to like, have a worthwhile conversation with another human. Absolutely. I, when I, I started a podcast a decade
0: ago where I was interviewing creative entrepreneurs and it kind of organically started. But one of the biggest lessons I learned from that, especially at the time when I was young and trying to network and, and sort of like build relationships, was that having that podcast was an excuse to talk to people who I might otherwise, you know, be afraid or timid about approaching to speak with, where I could, I could have the confidence of like, hey, I have a reason, you know, and, and you're more likely to agree to that reason than if I just stopped you on the street.
1: Isn't that funny? You could like you get access. You get access to people. It's like no, no, no. It's for a podcast. Yeah, and you yeah. can even be like, I only have ten <laughs> listeners, and they're like, that's fine. Yeah,
0: it's a podcast. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so you taught for ten years, and then uh, system principal for two, if I recall. Ten years is a long time to do anything, um, but uh, I'm very familiar with, with teaching. My my ex is a, was a teacher. My kid's mom and is a teacher. And I mean, she did and still works her ass off. I mean, teachers, people don't realize the amount of time they put in after outside of the building is just, I mean, having, you know, seen that for, for many years myself, I, not that I ever doubted teachers, but when you see that firsthand, um, these people are putting in just immense amounts of work for our children. I, I'm curious, you were in the midst of that, I imagine for a decade, what did you learn about yourself from that
1: that time teaching? That's a great question. So I was a teacher for six years uh, at a school, and I had done everything right. Uh, I had I was pretty much uh, like Jim from the office at that place. Like I just found like silly things to amuse my like I went, I'll give you an example. <laughs> uh, I we didn't have departments. Uh, so I found a label maker, uh, procu- I procured a label maker. <laughs> uh, I stole it from somewhere in the school and I started going around the school and putting these labels on everything that said property of the social studies department. Then I started signing all of my emails, social studies department chair. And then like a year later, somebody was like asking me questions about something. And they're like, well, I'm like, why are you asking me this? They're like, well, you're the social studies department chair. I was like, that's hilarious. Um, so it was a lot of like that sort of thing going on there, just like having fun and being young and foolish. Right. And then I went to school, got my uh, administrative degree, my master's degree, and um, I got to school. We had just had our, I have four boys. Our first, my first son had been born. Uh, he was born in May. So I had all summer with him. It was amazing and wonderful. Uh, came back to work to start the new school year. It was the first Wednesday, like the first week, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, staff meeting. My assistant principal comes, brings us in. She says, make sure you have your lesson plans turned in, make sure you have your curriculum map done. And today's my last day. I'm going to another school. Uh, and all of my friends that I worked with were like gassing me up and they're like, you're one of us, bro. You're one of us. You should apply for her job. This is going to be awesome. And I was like, yeah, I should. So I did, and I got it, and it was one of the worst professional decisions I've ever made in my career. Um, it was so difficult. I was I had the privilege of being the lowest paid assistant principal in the state of Indiana, uh, and I know that because that data... They don't put people's names, but they have a list of all the assistant principals with their salaries, and I was like, <laughs> I make less than all of these, Um and it was awful, Tim, to be honest with you. Like, I started to get uh, like Sunday night panic attacks. I developed a really unhealthy relationship with alcohol, like, all of that sort of thing. It was an extra, I gained like 25 pounds. I pretty much came to work every day and just like shut my office door and didn't want to come out. It was terrible. And what I learned about that in myself in that moment was one of two things. Number one, maybe like, I'm really good as um, we would call this in, in the tech world, like an individual contributor, maybe not a great manager. Like I don't like sitting in meetings and yelling at people to do stuff and like doing that sort of thing, right? I like leading from the field, right? I like being the best teacher so that I have some leadership capacity. I can lead, but it's not a formal thing, right? I'm not accountable for your work at the end of the day. Um, I also learned that like, if I'm not a like, if I don't, This sounds very like millennial of me, I guess, or whatever, but like, it's not like I have to enjoy my job, right? Like it all has to be fun, but I I have a deep inherent sense of needing to know why we are doing what we're doing. And I have to feel some sort of mission or purpose. I've always been that kid that, that like questions every rule I need. I just need to understand. And if I don't understand why this policy is happening or why this rule is happening, I am going to push back. Like, I'm that guy. You know
0: what I mean? Oh, yeah. I'm very similar. It's hearing you say that. I'm like, I'm glad someone else is like that. (laughs) Not just me.
1: Oh, 100%. When, you know, there would be some like draconian rule from like the principal would be like, you, everybody has to do this. And I'm like, but why? And they're like, because I said so. I'm like, that's, that's actually, that's the the uh, worst answer. That's the end. That's the end for me. Uh, cause now I don't respect you. Cause you just tried to like sun me, you know, like I'm not your kid. You can't, you can't just because I said so it, um, I grew up in that house too. And that's awful. That was not a good fit. Um, but like, yeah, man, I learned a lot. And I also learned during that time, I started to figure out a lot of stuff about myself. I started to do my first guest I ever had on my podcast, this guy named Hal Elrod. Who wrote this book called Miracle Morning, which was basically like, we know all these things are helpful for us. Journaling, uh, visualizing things, meditating, exercise, like all this stuff. And he was like, what if you just did all of those things the first hour of your day for like 10 minutes each? Um, so I did it for like years. I started getting up at like 3.30 in the morning. Um because I was just like fired up to live my life. And I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to figure this out. I started doing all of that sort of stuff, really went into um, kind of this like personal uh, development, kind of like discovery time in my life of figuring all of those things out, putting in the work of like trying to just be a better human all around. Um, and that was a big way that I like achieved escape velocity, right? Like being able to build the skills that brought me into marketing and everything that I do now. But it was... It was cool. It was probably... I'll say this. It was probably the first time in my life I saw what I was capable of. Like, I'd coasted on a lot of things before. I was that kid that, like, in sixth grade, I was like... I got straight A's in sixth grade and didn't try. So then I just didn't try the rest of, like, middle school and high school. And was just, like, cool with, like, C's and stuff. Because, like, why would I put in extra effort? Um, and this was the first time in my life that I, I, like, actually saw, like, oh, cool, when I work hard, there there is tremendous upside to that does
0: that make sense oh yeah what did that feel like did that change your perspective on like oh maybe there's an additional capacity here that i have that i'm that if i max out i'm going to see even greater reward a hundred percent
1: uh whether that was working out and competing in brazilian jiu-jitsu or that was building a business or something i just started to understand like if i just keep And this has had this has had negative repercussions right on the back end. But if I just keep saying yes to everything and doing everything under my power uh, and just keep working extremely hard, like I'll get to where I want to go. It might not happen in my time, but you'll get there. Um, And that experience, yeah, like just kind of fueled this fire under me of like, just keep going, just keep building, keep making, doing all of that sort of stuff. And it felt great at the time uh now i'm now i'm just like really tired all the time uh so there is downsides to it after a certain point but yeah i think for anybody there is a a i don't love like i push back really hard against like hustle culture do you know what i mean of just like work to work and we're all hustle bros oh yeah tiktok the other day that was like This girl was like, he's like, uh, you know, somebody on there. So a guy in tech on this, on his first date. And she's like, cool. Like, what are you, what are you working on? He's like, you know, just like hustle and grind and retire early. And she's like, cool. Like for what? And he's like, you know, I'm just like really focused on like grinding and retiring early. (laughs) She's like, yeah, but when you retire early, you're going to have a bunch of time. Like, what are you going to do with that time? And he's like, grind, grind and retire. early. All, All I know is grind and retire early. I don't have any friends. Like, you know, it was just like, I've, I've never felt something so deeply in my life where I was just like, Oh my God, you do wire your brain to like grind on this stuff. Um, so I don't love like hustle culture, but there it, I, it's undeniable like that. That's been my experience, like working extremely hard in off hours has gotten me to where I am, where I can say with some degree of confidence that I'm like super happy with a lot of my life, you know?
0: Oh, what a great feeling. Like, hearing you say that, I'm, like, happy for you. Because I feel like, <clears throat> I mean, I was just thinking, you have double double the kids. I got two kids. You have four kids. And I'm sure quite an age range there. And that's got to be in itself. I mean, I, the thing I noticed about kids is they just so... The biggest thing for me was, like, changing perspective of how I view everything. Like, you start to view things through their eyes and you start to see... Experiences and places and people in a new a new way, but um, but having uh, you know all four of them, I'm sure you're seeing all sorts of perspectives. Does that kind of, because I, I wonder if that does that affect your your view on like you know what what does it mean for me to be happy and what does it mean for me to work this hard to create the life I want to live? Because now I'm creating the life I want to live, or I'm creating, li- you know a lifestyle that actually others get to live with me here.
1: Yeah, it does. It does impact you quite a bit. I remember when I was still teaching, I was in this really weird spiral of like, I'm working hard so that I can, I'm not spending t- I'm working hard and not spending time with my kids so that someday I can spend time with my kids. Yeah. <laughs> and I was like, this seems backwards. Um, so I kind of reconciled that and understood like, all right, cool. Like this is like a sprint. This is a season of life, etc. And that's been pretty true for me. Um, what's been hard is like breaking out of that and breaking out of like, like it's okay not to work sometimes. And it's okay to move meetings. Like I moved to meetings yesterday. I was like, we're doing them tomorrow. And it was like, could that hurt that relationship with that person? Could that make them upset? Of course. But like, screw it. Like it's my life. You know, like I have to, and if that makes me selfish, like that's fine, but I have responsibility to my wife and my kids and that's what I want to do, you know? So I do stuff like that still. And it is, it is a question, man. It is like, especially if I work on the weekends or something like that. And it's like, what what am I working this hard for? Um, we have plenty of money, which is a very fortunate situation. And there is a lot of element of privilege in that, that I'm not going to deny, um, But I think also as a yes and to that, like, it's just like, what's enough, you know, when you make when you make an amount of money, it's like, cool. If I double that, is that enough? What if I triple it? What if I five X that, you know, what if you made a million dollars in a year? Like when is what's enough? Right. And I'm not making a million dollars a year, but like, I'm just saying like, would that finally be enough or would the goalposts move again? 'Cause I would have access to different understandings and different learnings and a different network and more opportunities. Like I just feel like those goalposts if you set financial goalposts, like after a certain point, money just solves all the problems that not having money causes. So don't money only solves money problems. And then you still have all your other cruft in your life, you know, all the other thrashing that you're doing trying to figure that out. Um, so it's been wonderful to see my kids. It's wonderful that, you know, when sports seasons come that we don't have to worry about like how many things we're playing and can we afford new shoes for them and all those other like things um it's been really nice my wife's able to work really hard uh staying home with the kids like i'm really grateful for that opportunity so it does do a lot of stuff um and it does kind of take you out of this doing it for me piece and it's like you do get to enjoy it more because you're enjoying it with other people like you said Yeah, that's the part I love is uh, with the kids. I just love
0: experiencing like the other, uh, uh, I love Jim Gaffigan, the comedian. I don't know if you're familiar, but um, my son loves him and my daughter too. She's four years younger than him, 11 and seven. But um, we listen to him all the time. And I realized like last month at the last minute that he was coming to Chicago and I was all excited Thursday night. They had tickets. (laughs) Groupon was like giving tickets real cheap. And I was like, "Oh, this would be awesome to go to because I've seen him once or twice live um, in person. I've heard all his, ne- you know, seen him in Netflix. I've, I've listened to the albums of the kids all the time. But to go see him with you know my son and/or daughter would have been just a totally different experience of something I already love. Like to 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 feel that with them. It didn't work out because my son had a Boy Scout event that night. He had to attend so." Um, But I remember thinking like, oh, this would be, and 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 just like we're gonna go to Ravinia for the first time, or for a a concert this summer for the kids' first concert, and like that's gonna be like I just realized like they've never really experienced live music to that extent yet. Like you know, their first live con, like that's gonna be fantastic. So I, I know what you mean. Like it's, uh, it really does. Not only are you like working to create this life, you know, for these these kids, but you're also experiencing and they're experiencing, you know, something that. To some extent, like without you creating this for them they they wouldn't have that opportunity so it's yeah, it's just a great thing,
1: yeah man i I agree uh, and it is it is like I said there is like an element of privilege to it, right like I'm sure my starting yeah. line is ahead of a lot of other people's starting lines um, and I'm very conscious of that that is a big like especially working where I've worked and everything like that like that's a big piece of the way i think about and the way i try to move in the world um i and then looking at the kids and everything like it is it is a question for me like they're growing up extremely differently than i did i think this is something a lot anybody who has any level of uh, financial or like career success or whatever um a lot of times that's fueled by coming up with with not a lot And when you get that, it's like, wait, my kids might not have the same grit that I have. They might not have the same level of hustle that I have, but they'll have other things. So it's just, I don't know, it's been cool to navigate, uh, especially having four kids. Like, I was an only child. So I don't know, like, when we had our uh, first, that was just like, I spent a lot of time, like, not wanting him to be so loud and then when we had our second like things got real loud and i was just like kind of irritated like the house was just so loud all the time my wife was totally fine because she has two older brothers and i was like oh this is just like weird um like it's it's just like leftover programming you know what i mean it doesn't serve me anymore so like it's been cool with that to have the kids just they they surface a lot of my old programming from my relationship with my father and my mother and you know, where and when I grew up. And it's just been cool to like challenge a lot of that as they start challenging me.
0: I love that. It's yeah. I, <laughs> that's interesting about the only child. I never thought about that. I have two siblings. They're both younger than me though, but I, I, it's, it's, that's interesting that you, you would think about like the the volume of the room and stuff H- has oh, it, it's um, wild. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I um I'm switching gears here. I was thinking of I love that you have that Conan O'Brien uh, that I brought up on your wall. What what made you? I'm curious, like what inspired you to? This is coming from someone who is terrible at decorating their apartment and doesn't have much on the wall. So when I, yeah. I'm thinking about putting things like that up on the wall, but to me it's like. In my mind, it has to be so meaningful. So so that's how I'm viewing this. I'm like, wow, that must have meant so much to Brendan to put up on his wall. Uh-huh. I'm curious where where did the inspiration for that come from? What's well, like right after he said that on, on the last show?
1: No, you know what? I have um it's up because the colors kind of match this other thing that I have on the wall, this print um from Caroline Kelso that says aim for what's sustainable which is something I need to constantly think about because I am a hundred percent like that guy that just like red like weird racing analogy. But imagine like you're a race car driver who never uses the brake. You just push the pedal all the way down and try to keep it on the track and then slam into the wall at 300 miles an hour. Um, Both of those are like good reminders. Uh, I have both of those. I also have these. You can kind of see in the background. There's actually three of them. These pieces uh, by a guy named Scott Erickson. Uh, who like they're just wonderful again like reminders like there's one about like uh, not being so stressed out because the world is not mine to save uh my own existential crisis is about everything oh all i the like time. that one um like this is not not everything is my responsibility there's another one about like focusing about on my own like not being so worried about other people's stuff and focusing on my own things and not feeling like I need to tear them down to be better. Um, that's the one with the, you can kind of see it's a a lot of paper airplanes in a circle and then one of them is gold. Um, I just love those type of like brilliant reminders around one. As soon as I come into my office, I have a Alexander Hamilton, uh, picture, uh, that just is like a great reminder every single time I come in about like grit and tenacity and the power of writing and like all of these things that I, you know, serves me to believe that they're true. Um, so I don't know, man, it's, all that's how I decorate. Is just like, it's the same reason I get tattoos. Like I just need reminders of things. I love that. That's such a great way
0: to, to think about it. Like you're constantly, you like, if you think about, I'm big on intention, but you, you, what you're describing to me is like you're living your life with intention by intentionally setting up guide rails and, and guardrails and guides that keep you kind of in line with what you want to be with who you want to be.
1: Yeah. A hundred percent. I think the, I just need those. I need that reframing. Um, I'm very lucky that I married somebody this is something uh, my wife Liz and I talk about a lot we're big on like accountability and both of us like push each other to be the best version of ourselves out of love. Um, and we're both very receptive to that. Uh, so it works out really well. We weren't always, we fought a lot <laughs> when we were younger. Um, but we've become both receptive and, and, and like really believe in like, just like not letting the other person become their most base self, right? Like I, I would be, uh, if, if I wasn't, If she didn't have the expectations that she has for me and the expectations are not insurmountable. I want to make sure that this is I'm like super clear that this is like something that I appreciate and love, but like she didn't have any tolerance for when I was just like being a loser teacher and like didn't have any goals or aims and was just like drinking all the time and just like get my life was spiraling out of control. She's like, absolutely not like we're going to stay together and you're not going to do that right and i think that that's been big for me to kind of like have that partner like a true partner in this you know
0: absolutely brendan thank you so much for what a way to start the day this has been the best start to my friday is chatting with you you are such an inspiration to me like from the moment i met you i'm like there's something about this guy that just inspires me and every time i talk to you i get the same inspiration so i'm i'm so excited that we're able to share this conversation out there and you know somebody will be downloading it which is fantastic but thank you
1: yeah i'm glad i hope that anything that i said is valuable for other people right like i I think that's part of when you make anything like this is yeah it's great for us to have these conversations and i've really enjoyed this as well uh I just hope that it, you know, for whoever's listening to this, that it's valuable for you, that you pulled out some nugget that you, you know, or you're like, Oh, cool. I got to write that down. I want to think about that. I want to look at that resource or whatever. Um, I just hope it's valuable for other people. When I was coming up that, you know, I listened to podcasts constantly podcasts, just like this. And that was so meaningful and so impactful for me. So I'm, I'm just grateful for the opportunity to be able to maybe do that for other people too, you know? To me, that's what it's all about. And I can
0: confidently say somebody will get something out of it because that's how we connect as humans is like we just it's storytelling, right? Like we hear stories, they teach us something and then we kind of, you know, share it from there. So I, I'm i such a believer in if we each share our stories, you know, are, are comfortable sharing our stories, people, undoubtedly one or more person, <laughs> one or more people <laughs> will get something out of that story. hundred percent, man. Yeah. Thanks for having me on. Sweet. Well, enjoy the rest of your Friday. And did we do
1: it? Did we do the thing?
0: Well, we did the thing. You can find all episodes of We're Only Human at we'reonlyhumanpodcast.com, on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your podcasts.